Good afternoon, friends. It's another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in, yes, what you've come to expect, our trademark energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news and politics, of course, but also health and wellness, sports and entertainment. We've got a lot of stuff coming up on the show today. A lot of guests, a lot of topics. We're going to move pretty fast, so buckle up. Uber producer Dan Peters is here, as you heard at the top of the hour, with the news and weathers. Weathers? All of the weathers. Uh, And he'll keep you up to date on whatever's going on. But looking good, looking good. Thanks for spending some time with Dan and I today through your radio. Uh, If you're out there driving around on Information 1000 KSOO or with a transistor, you know, walking down the street. Streamed live on KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. That is the new branded, we call that in the business. And when I say the business, I mean the industry. KSOO branded app. And you can get that on any of your app stores for all the different devices that you may be toting around or using on your couch or where have you. Remember, you can always follow along live on Facebook at the KSO account or our Twitter account at P. Lally Show at P. Lally, P-L-A-L-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W. That's P. Lally Show on Twitter. Hey, uh, uh, Dan, um, I may need some help. Okay, you can need got some stuff you need to move, and you need some, yeah. some arms and strong back for that, or <laughs> what's right. the deal here? I got a hide a bed, I got a couple of dresser, <laughs> no, uh-huh. some mattresses. Um, no, I uh, the the bracketology thing. I'm not a I'm not a, a bracketology. Oh, you don't do the NCAA thing. Do I you? I always end up doing it, but I'm terrible, terrible. I think I know something, but I don't. So I would be better off not knowing anything, I think, than trying. The only thing I know I'm picking, Ohio State over SDSU. <laughs> okay. That is a solid pick. It's not the, the sexy pick for those who want to pull the upset. Well, yeah, they can they can go for the 12 on that one. But, yeah, Ohio State is a solid pick there. Yeah, I, I, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding my SDSU friends. I wish them only the best out there in Boise, Boise is the French say. <laughs> Boise. <laughs> Boise ad hole. <laughs> the French province of ad hole. Anyway, they're playing out in Boise. That's Thursday, right? That is. is. Thursday? Yeah, they okay. get going right first day of the tournament. Now, here's the thing about, about my my bracketology and my and my degree, which has certainly gotten some tarnish over the years. <laughs> here's I with me being in the business that I am, yep. and this is the time of year where the Sky Four season is still going on, and I do have a lot of responsibilities for yep. that. Yep. I don't take a whole lot of time to dissect college basketball. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I go chalk on the top three seeds. Wait a minute. Each wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I keep hearing this too. Mm-hmm. I go chalk. Chalk. What does that mean? That is a slang term that means you're going with the favorite. Ah, okay. So you go with the favorite. Top three seeds, one, two, three. It's like, okay, I'm going with those top three seeds and those not going to change it because your probabilities of those getting those seeds getting upset very low. Yes. From there, I take the coin and I flip <laughs> it. The head is the... Higher seed, the tail is the lower seed. Yep. At least you got a system. Through the first, because that makes my mind free up and it takes all the responsibility. I was like, oh, well, it's like, you know, I don't feel so bad about, oh, well, they didn't win. Well, blame the coin. Yeah, that's right. You can cause, you have plausible deniability on all that stuff. Next year, I'm using the half dollar. Ooh. Well, the old JFK, very yeah, nice. A little weightier. I think I get a better flip out of that. I don't know. Maybe you can get me one of those uh, Eisenhower $1 coins. Oh, no. Those things are fat, man. Then you'd be sure to win. You'd be sure to win. But I, I was, and I asked this because I was looking on the KSO.com site, and I see that uh, you can enter the KSO million-dollar bracket challenge, and I'm thinking, okay, million dollars? Oh, wait, you can only win. You win 10000 if you win. I see. Well, that's if you get 60. Oh, I see. If you get it all, you, you get, get all 63 of them, 
Bada boom, bada bang, the champagne flows and that the streamers. That happens like once a year, right? Somebody somewhere no. gets one. I no, never, never, no. I don't think it's ever happened. Wow. Well, that's it's that's tough. why it's a million bucks. Yes. No. Even even getting sixty is a pretty rare occasion. Are you gonna? So we probably can't fill these out for oh, ourselves. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we fill them out for ourselves. Celebrity so people can can take in and see how we're doing on our picks, so they All can right. examine those. So we got to get that done by Thursday then. But huh? as far as cash prizes, no, we are ineligible for those. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably fair. But you if know. you feel confident, you can answer someone else's. <laughs> but <laughs> but this is the one we're working with today. And well, we would want people to enter into this. If you have confidence in your degree in bracketology, you go to KSOO.com and fill out your brackets. And it's all electronic, which is cool because I, I hate scratching out. The, then you got to race. And I ah, know that's not what I want, so. And what you can do is you can fill out as if you figure out, okay, I have this pair of teams in the title game. You click to that and it'll fill out the, the uh, matrix for oh. you from, from the beginning. And then all you have to do is just fill it back from there. So it's, I've got Virginia and Xavier. So you got Virginia and Xavier, bing, bing, and then they fill those in along the way. Nice. And then I've got Wichita State and Michigan State on the other side, bing, bing, and then you fill in and then... Okay, you work your well way backwards. Okay, Wichita State. Oh, Purdue. Okay, then then they just well, yeah, that makes they, it a lot easier. That it does. So you're so, not clicking every single yeah, one. Oh gosh. Well, so your final four then is Virginia, Xavier, uh, uh, the uh, Shockers, uh, the Shockers of Wichita State and Michigan State. Yes. Now, how many of those are number one seeds? Three of them, right? Two. Two. Michigan State's a three. Oh, okay. But of course, there's a lot of coin flipping in there. <laughs> So sorry, yeah. Kansas. Yeah, Kansas lost. The sorry, flip. Villanova. It's a good system. I got confidence in that you're going to do pretty well. Absolutely. All right, KSO.com. You can find that bracket, and you can get in on that. And uh, you know, I don't know. Can you enter more than one? I suppose you put other people's names in there or whatever. You could. Yeah, you yeah. can do a bit different username, password. Sign up in the KSO VIP area. There you go. And there's a leaderboard, so you can see who's winning. That's, That's pretty right. cool. I like that. Anyway, so you, I'll probably get in there. Dan will be in there. Yeah, I'm already in. You're already in. Some other people from the station, from the, from Results Radio, I imagine. Other other folks. Oh JT. yeah, Jeff Jeff Harkness will be all over it. Jerry oh, P. Yeah. Oh yeah, those guys. See, they think they know what they're doing, but do they? Really? Sometimes the experts, not so much. Well, we can see if the coin or the experts yep. win out in we, this challenge, and we'll keep you updated on that. Hey, uh, just a couple other things in sports. By the way, I noticed this uh, uh, today. Apparently the Vikings think this Kirk Cousin guy from Washington is is the bomb. He's the deal because they signed him to a big big money contract. Got rid of Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, Case Keenum. Keenum. Oh boy, Keenum went to Denver. Uh, 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 the uh, uh, Bradford he went to uh, I was going to say St. Louis, but they don't have a team anymore. Would that be the uh, the Rams of Los Angeles? Did he go to the Rams? I can't remember. I didn't see and, that. Or maybe it's Kansas City. I don't remember. And I, I don't know where Teddy's going to land. Well, that's right, because Alex Smith was kind of the dead man walking there in Kansas City. Yeah, maybe he went down to Kansas City. But so that's, I don't know. I watch a lot of, <laughs> get us in the mood. It's not even baseball season yet. No. <laughs> you know, people get go ga ga over football. That's so. right. It's free agency time. Uh, so that's going to happen in the fall. That'll be interesting. Watch him get hurt first practice like Teddy did, Bridgewater did. Then we'll be, I don't even know who the backup will be. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, yeah. No, not <laughs> Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Uh, I, I'm skeptical of Kirk Cousins. I, I listened to too much Tony Kornheiser and, uh, they're, they hate, they hate Kirk Cousins out in Washington. So maybe, maybe this will be good, but we'll see how it goes. The land of misfit toys here in Minnesota. We're in Dakota land. Uh, but, you know, I'm also, I'm focused on baseball. I really, this whole the college basketball, football, that and golf. I'm into baseball and golf right now. That's my whole life. Here, of course, we are the home of the Minnesota Twins here on Information 1000 KSO. And we're getting excited for the opener on March 29 in Baltimore. And two in Pittsburgh. And then the home opener against the Mariners on April 5th. And it's baseball, baby. Baseball. Take me out to the ball game. Holy cow! That's what I want. 
There it is. We're gonna win twins. Watch that baseball score. Crack out a home run. Shout a hip Here for the Minnesota Twins today. Man, that was the theme song for the Twins broadcast for a long yeah. time. Love it. Still love it. Hey, we've got a great show for you today. In addition to thinking about the twins, we're going to talk with Jolene Mitchell. She's an occupational therapist with Sanford Health, and she studies the physical and mental health of over-the-road truck drivers, and it's it's wild stuff. Corey Heidelberger, he's that blogger with Dakota Free Press. He'll be with us to wrap up the legislature and look forward to the political campaigns. Tim Evans of the Sioux Falls Sports Authority will catch us up on basketball extravaganza. It's still underway at the Pentagon. And Scott Hudson will be in for Weird Friends, subbing in for the Boon Man today, and I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, uh, redistricting. Yes, redistricting. It's the, it's the meat and potatoes of politics, people. This is where the rubber hits the road. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 322 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Uh, that means, of course, it's time for the PL statement here on the Patrick Lally Show when we look through the news and uh, gather our thoughts about what's going on in the world, whether it's good, bad, yet to be determined. That's This is the time for it. And uh, I thought I'd take a little bit of time today uh, and talk about redistricting, legislative redistricting and congressional redistricting. But this is really about legislatures, okay? And I know, hold on, okay? I know it sounds like something you're not interested in, but you are. If you're interested at all, like politics or uh, government or legislature, or how you know how that all affects your life. Uh, if you're fed up with all of it, this is important. Here's the deal with redistricting. Okay, every ten years, the uh, the body, the state, has to redraw the legislative districts. You know where your person comes from based on the population changes that come out of the census because you want to have every district be as close to the same size as possible. You don't want one person representing 30,000 people and another person representing 5,000 people. That's not how it works, okay? And there's this thing called gerrymandering, all right? And you've probably heard the term. That's not that unusual of a term because... And what that is, that, that's a term that came out of, a, a, this. okay, gerrymandering, this has been an issue as long as we've been a republic, okay? And it first was used in 1812, 1812, when Governor Elbridge Gerry of Massachusetts enacted a law in 1812 defining new state senatorial districts. And what it did was it consolidated the Federalist Party vote, you remember those guys, the Federalists, into a few districts and thus gave disproportionate representation to Democrat Republicans. That was one party then, Democrat Republicans. Uh, and one of those districts looked like a salamander, you know? And so this dude drew a editorial cartoon, a satirical cartoon that ran in the Boston Gazette, and it graphically transformed the districts into a fabulous animal, the gerrymander. Uh, and that's where the, the, so that's how long that word has been around. And, uh, but it's been an issue forever. It ends up getting fought over com- uh, uh, all the time. And uh, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, ruled in 1964 that districts ha- had to be drawn to reflect substantial equality of population and, uh, you know, that, and that they had to be compact and equal, okay? Compactness and equality of size of constituencies. That's the, that's the key point, okay? Well, that sounds good in, pract- in, in theory. In practice, what happens is who's ever in power over the years, whatever party is in power when the census numbers comes down, gets to redraw the districts. In South Dakota, that's, all, that's Republicans, right? And, and I, this is not about party. It's not about uh, uh, state. It's not about anything other than 
the process and the process is screwed up and it's always been rigged uh, so that whoever's in party power gets to keep the power. Okay. More more or less. And, you know, how can we think that that's right? Gerrymandering, uh, you know, in South Dakota has, has really fed the, dom- have fed the domination of the Republican party. And, you know, as you would expect, uh, and the notion of fairness in this state is some quaint little notion of democracy. It's not real. It's not so much, you know. Well, the reason I bring it up is that today, uh, Secretary of State uh, uh, Chantel Krebs said that the a petition to uh, try and bring it to a vote, change the Constitution to not have legislators do it, but to have uh, a independent panel of nine people do this, uh, regard you know outside the party process, uh, they didn't get enough signatures, and so it's not going to be on the ballot. Well, you know, probably going to pass anyway because it's been on the ballot before, went down. Uh, why people don't think this is a good idea, I don't understand because I don't. It doesn't matter what party you're in. It doesn't matter uh, who you think uh, should be in power. The district should be drawn in such a way to reflect the population. That's all there is to it. And other states are starting to change to independent uh, bodies to do this because it keeps ending up in court, for one thing. Uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio, I think they're both uh, both cases on a federal level with their congressional districts are under uh, uh, a lot of pressure. Uh, it's in court, going to the Supreme Court, I think. And, you know, it just keeps going on and on and on. We got to change it. And I, I don't know what it's going to take to get people to understand that it's for the common good and not the good of any party to have this process be done independently. It's too easy to game the system, all right? You put a bunch of, you know, in our case, with Democrats, the Republicans can put a whole bunch of Democrats in one district, throw them that one, but dilute the population in the one right next door. And look at our district sometimes. They're, they don't make any sense. And in some ways, they're drawn to uh, deplete the influence of Sioux Falls. They're radiance of a wheel, they got like spoken wheel going to incorporate as much rural pe- area into urban districts. And it's been that way forever. Uh, just look at the map and you'll say that doesn't, these don't look real because they're not. And they hook and they move and they weave and they bob. And it's not, it's ultimately not good for public policy in the state of South Dakota. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me? Throw me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. Follow us on Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk with Scott Hudson for Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 3.36 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And that's the replacements can't hardly wait. Which means Scott Hudson's on the program. Yeah. And there he is. Scott Hudson's in for Weird Friends. Uh, Scott, I've been playing Irish music for uh, Weird Friends, but for you, I always play replacements. Well, as you should. Yeah, I just can't stop doing that. I almost flopped it out when I realized uh, that I had just gone with the old standby, but we just left it. Hey, uh, I saw something on the Facebooks, though, uh, that uh, maybe it was Twitter. I can't remember. You were looking for um, a new sort of Irish music, Irish bands that you didn't know, you know, beyond the Pogues and yeah. Flog and Molly. Well, you know, when I do my, uh, my live lead show Fridays on Real Punk Radio from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time, <laughs> uh, I'm good with the plugs. Yeah, that was good. Um, I, I like to have themes, as you know. I, I have some sort of theme for, for every show that I do. And, uh, you know, obviously... Halloween, Christmas, those kinds of holidays. You you do rock and roll holiday shows, and so that's the same with St. Patrick's Day. And I've and I've had a couple different. I mean, I do it almost every year. I haven't done it every single year, but and there's a couple different ways you can go with Irish music. You can just do the whole, you know, bands that just happen to be from Ireland. Yeah. You know where where it's the Water Boys and the Undertones and the Boomtown Rats and Thin Lizzy. Then you can also do. The, the the bands that incorporate Irish sounds, which can be from anywhere in the world, 
Um, and that's when you get into the bands that sound like the Pogues and you get into the Dropkick Murphy mm-hmm. and things like that. And so, yeah, the other day, I, I don't like to repeat. I mean, I don't like to repeat my shows. So I'm always trying to find something new to play instead. Otherwise, I could just replay my show from last year. Right. And, yeah, so I raised the questions. I do quite often, you know, when I decide on a theme. And um, a few things have come up. Uh, there's one thing, though, never fails. <laughs> Whenever you raise a question on Facebook, and you can be so specific of what you're asking, I even said, sort of current Irish music, uh, you two, folks. <laughs> A, those aren't current. No. B, don't you think I know about those bands? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that somebody, I did see this where you said, don't you think I know who the Pogues are? <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't know who the Pogues are, I certainly couldn't do an Irish rock and roll show. No. I mean, we play the Pogues on this show. That's how, that's how well-known <laughs> and mainstream they are. Exactly. I'm uh, thinking yeah, about I mean, doing, I was thinking about doing just uh, like a, a couple of segments of just, you know, traditional, very traditional Irish IRA rebel songs, just to see if I could get, oh, sure, get sure. people mad. But Yeah, that would be fun. I, I once, you know, I used to have a Sunday morning quieter show on Real Punk Radio, and I did a, a more traditional Irish show once playing the Dubliners and the Irish Rovers and yeah. the Clancy's and stuff like that. That's it's not fun. really up your alley. <laughs> no, it's not, but it's, but it's always interesting to look into it. Yeah. So have you, you're just starting this, though. Are there uh, uh, bands out there who are, you know, not the Pogues, not Flog and Molly, not, you know, Dropkick Murphy's Black 47, who are doing interesting things in that realm? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, one band, they, they didn't put out anything this year, but usually February of every year they have uh, something new. Uh, they're called the Mahones. And no, they're not associated with the Pogues. They are just called the Mahones. I believe they're Canadian. And they're, I mean, they are a cross between the Pogues and, and you know, the, the Floggy Molly types. I mean, they're, they're very rocking, but there are elements of the traditional sound. One thing that I do like, every one of their albums takes uh, that ends with a cover or two, and it's it's like one year one of their albums that was uh, a Husker Du cover. No, oh. that they Irished up. You know, they they do things like that, which I think one year was even a, re- a replacement song. Well, there you go. You better find that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, another band, um, actually, do you remember the show, The Young Ones? Yeah, awesome show. Remember Adrian? Yep. He, um, he once on a comedy tour just happened to walk by this rummage sale and there was like some old stringed instrument there. And he picked it up on a whim, not knowing how to play any instrument whatsoever. And it was like a, I don't know, it was a ukulele or mandolin, something along those lines. Yeah. And he just became obsessed with it. So he started, off, started a band called Adrian Edmondson and the Bad Shepherds. <laughs> and basically what they do is they, t- they take old punk rocks British punk rock songs and turn them into <laughs> Irish jigs. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's fabulous stuff. Are you going to play a little of that on the show? Oh, I think so, yes. oh, yeah. we got to fill two hours, so you got to play yeah. something. You're, uh, but, yeah, I mean, despite my complaining, I did, there are a lot of things I hadn't heard about that I'm going to check out, and then also my, uh, my singer-songwriter friend Matthew Ryan really liked the question, so he threw it up on his Facebook. Oh. And so I'm getting some good possibilities there. Well, that could be very interesting if you're looking for new music, especially new Irish music going into the holiday. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, your, uh, uh, your friend and mine, uh, Scott Arisman, just texted me and told me that you should listen to, you should ask the Blarney Stone what station they play. That's the new bar downtown. So they are constantly playing Irish rock and punk stuff, new stuff. I think that they must, they do play, uh, a lot of what we would consider the good Irish music. Um, what, what station was this? I don't know what station. I don't know where they get their music from, where they're piping it in, but it's always pretty good. I have noticed that at the Blarney Stone. Yeah, we used to have a guy on on Real Punk Radio that, that I mean, he had like three shows a week, and one of them was 
an hour every week he was able to fill with nothing but Irish rock and roll. And cool. uh, that was a that used to be a good place for me to discover things, but unfortunately, he had a heart attack about three years ago. <laughs> oh, that's not so, good. He's a little too no. Irish. He's got too he's much a little of the too Irish. Irish yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, well, that's cool. That'll be a good show. That's this Friday night from six to eight on realpunkradio.com. Is that right? Yes. Realpunkradio.com. And then up in iTunes and Stitcher later in the night. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Scott Hudson. Uh, thanks for the uh, update on Irish music, man. I'm always looking for new stuff. I'll I'll listen, and then I'll probably steal some of it for bumper music. Fabulous. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to chat with Tim Evans of the Sioux Falls Sports Authority. We'll catch up on uh, with the basketball uh, that's going on out at the Pentagon. I think the NIA, NIA, NAIA. Yes, geez, you got it there. NAIA National Championship is tonight, so that's a big dang deal. Boom. And they've got some other stuff going on, so we'll be, we'll touch down with Tim. Uh, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. New interlude from Trampled by Turtles. doesn't have anything to do with our next guest but that's okay tim evans he's with the project director of the sioux falls sports authority but more importantly in the near term he is the tournament director for the naia division two tournament that's been going on out at the pentagon for oh so many days tim evans thanks for taking a little time to update us on what's happening out there well i appreciate you guys having me on today so uh where where are we in this? Uh, it's the NAIA National Division II Tournament, right? I got that right? That is correct, yeah. We've got the National Championship game coming up tonight out here at the Sanford Pentagon. We've got actually two uh, conference opponents from the Crossroads League out of Indiana uh, going at it for a national title, and this will be the fourth time these two teams have played each other uh, this season with uh, Indiana Wesleyan uh, coming out ahead of uh, St. Francis in all three of the games. So, uh if you want to talk about a heated uh, heated championship game, we've got one for you in store here tonight. That's pretty wild. Now there were some uh, area teams involved in the tournament at some point, but they've they've not made it to the finals, right? Isn't that that's is correct? Yeah. yeah, we did. We had some great crowds, a great turnout from the Dakota Wesleyan fans, and then uh, Morningside out of Sioux City uh, also had a great championship and, and turned out a big crowd. Briar Cliff uh, as well came down and, and had a had a great tournament, and then Mayville State. Uh, and made the championship, and uh, Mayville uh, turned out very well too here, and, and had a great crowd at the Sanford Pentagon. So, those first couple of days with those with those local teams uh, being in the championship, we've seen some some great crowds out here, almost eighty percent full out here at the Sanford Pentagon. And then, uh, you know, just a lot of the teams that are they're left in the tournament, they have a very faithful fan base. Um, we had a team from uh, the College of Idaho uh, who made it to the semifinals here last night, and and they have a very a very faithful fan base and a very friendly and kind and uh, absolutely uh, great to get to know uh, the, the coaches, the administrators, and then the, the fans that come to town, and a lot of them uh, visiting Sioux Falls for the first time. So uh, being able to hear the experiences that they have um, out on the town, seeing the falls, uh, getting around town, kind of, I think when everybody heard of the, the championship coming here, they look on a map and they see Sioux Falls and wonder what, what they're going to get themselves into <laughs> when they yeah. get up here. But they, they get out here, and, and obviously the, the people in this town uh, show great hospitality and and they leave with a great experience. Uh, the Sports Authority, of course, uh, is an organization that is responsible for um, administering a lot of different events. But this period that you're in right now, you guys, are you sleeping at all? <laughs> Very little. So I actually I stayed out here at the Fairfield Inn Hotel while we were uh, working this championship for the, for the first couple nights, really, because uh, with eight games a day, uh, we're, we're used to working championships and, and, and having long hours and long days. And, but when you throw in eight games a day, the first game tips off at, at 8.30. And the last game uh, on the first day didn't get completed until 1.15 in the morning. Uh, that's, that's a whole other ball game uh, when you're adding uh, basically doubling the games of what we're uh, accustomed to holding uh, when we have a, a national championship. Usually you have four quarterfinal games, two semis, and a championship. But uh, you bring in 32 teams into town and and tipping off eight games a day for the first three days. That's, that's definitely a, a unique uh, uh, championship that we have not hosted before. And, and just with the outstanding volunteers that we have, uh, table workers and, and different sorts of people that make a basketball game go, uh, we can't thank those people enough because without them, uh, we, we might have 
looked like we were really running around with our hair on fire than, <laughs> than if we didn't already. So <laughs> Tim Evans of the Sioux Falls Sports Authority, he's been running the uh, NAIA Division II National Tournament out there. That 32 teams, though, in one sense, if you're the NAIA, uh, it's men's and women, right? So you, you get everybody together. You've got kind of a critical mass of fans. If you have them separate or fewer teams, you maybe don't have all those people in one place. So it works out pretty well for the Pentagon. Yeah, so we actually have all 32 men's teams here. Oh, I'm sorry, men's Pentagon. teams. So, yeah, the, the women's championship has 30, 32 teams playing down in Sioux City. That's uh, right. Tyson Event Center. So, uh, yeah, so we've get brought in 32 men's teams, and, and uh, those teams actually started arriving uh, Saturday uh, while we were overworking the Summit League. We actually uh, saw some teams uh, pick up some tickets on that Saturday and Sunday and were able to uh, get in the Premier Center and watch the Summit Leagues play while we were working over there. So it was nice to see. I mean, it was a good timing. Uh, for a basketball championship to come into event, so um, those student athletes and their coaches could come in and, and really see um, what Sioux Falls has to offer as far as a sporting scene. You know, the Denny Sanford Premier Center is a, a premier facility, and and with those uh, summer league teams bringing in the fans that they do, and then those teams being able to follow that up by coming over here to the Sanford Pentagon, a little smaller scale, but obviously another fantastic facility that we have here at our disposal in Sioux Falls, and 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 I think that's as a sports authority, you know, our our thing is we really want to put on a championship event when those teams are in town. So then they leave, um, you know, we gave them an experience that they, they might not have gotten elsewhere. And, yeah. Uh, our facility gives us that opportunity. to do so. And you're, you're, you're not done yet. Are you Tim? We are not done. No. <laughs> so we actually, we've got a couple of days to, to clean up here from the NAI championship out here at the Pentagon. And then we'll flip the, uh, the arena over towards the end of the weekend uh, after the sky force game on Saturday and start setting up for the NCAA uh, division two men's and women's elite eight. So, uh, the first time in the history of NCAA Division II that uh, the men's and women's championships will be played in the same city uh, at the same time. So uh, another unique uh, tournament for us. Uh, obviously, we've hosted those, uh, both men's and women's championships in the past, but now putting them together, you know, we'll have four games Monday, four on Tuesday, semifinals on Wednesday, Thursday, uh, the women's national title game uh, on Friday evening, and then the men's uh, national championship tipping off at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Holy buckets. Uh, that is a lot of basketball, not to mention that the uh, uh, the AA Boys and Girls Tournament is in town as well, isn't it? That's not yeah, your deal, but it's a lot of basketball. No, you really, and, and again, we saw a lot of teams from Indiana. We had uh, three out of the four schools at the NEIA Championship um, from Indiana, and Indiana claims to be the, the, the capital of, of basketball in the United States. And, and I think uh, we were able to show them that hey, South Dakota is pretty serious about the sport as well. And and just with the the history and the facility and, and the different things that are inside the Pentagon, they they felt like they were in a little slice of back home here in Indiana. So being able to see our facility and 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 the history side of it, and then obviously the the great basketball that was being played out here as well. So and then you've so yeah, got, well, you're not done, and even after the basketball is all over, you're still not done because you got this hockey thing going on, right? And we do, we do, yeah. March 23rd and 24th over at the Denny Sanford Premier Center, we'll have the NCAA uh, Division One Ice Hockey Regional. And that one we're still uh, waiting as conference tournaments get underway here uh, this week. We'll, we'll learn who, who is coming to Sioux Falls to, to play in those games. And uh, ticket sales for that event have been, have been really, really strong. And I think once the, uh, the teams uh, get selected and the, the school allotment of tickets um, get uh, passed back to the Premier Center, I think we'll have a, a very, very full facility for that championship as well. And, you know, hockey scene is really, really growing mm-hmm. in, in the Sioux Falls community and uh, the Sioux Falls Stampede get great support. And, and then the Sioux Falls Youth Hockey Organization as well has, has been really taking off. So I think there's really kind of a, a niche group here that's, that's excited about bringing this, this level of hockey uh, to Sioux Falls. And uh, it's exciting uh, for us to uh, have those games aired nationally on ESPN as well. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Tim Evans, he is the project director for the Sioux Falls Sports Authority. Thanks for the update, Tim, and good luck out there. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk with Corey Heidelberger. He's the blogger with Dakota Free Press. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Guitar! 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up Saturday, it's not only St. Patrick's Day, it's a 10th annual pause to celebrate 6 to 11 at the Hilton Garden in downtown Sioux Falls. That is a benefit for the Sioux Falls Humane Society. Great food, live music, live and silent auctions, and more. Good people. 
Coming up after the news and weather, it's Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog. That's on Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and I'm going to spare Corey Heidelberger, our next guest, uh, my singing of this song, which I, I have a tendency to do when it starts playing. But I'm going to back it off, Corey. Thanks for being here today. Hey, I don't mind. We can try some two part next time. <laughs> uh, I, that would be bad for uh, ratings, I think. But that's okay. I appreciate the effort. Um, so Corey Heidelberger, he's a blogger up in Aberdeen. His blog is dakotafreepress.com. And we have him on Tuesdays to talk about politics and such. And we've been talking a lot about the legislature, but they're done. So looking back, Corey, did they do anything? They did some stuff. They passed <laughs> a lot of bills. They passed over 50% of the bills that came. Um, they, you know, one thing that's near and dear to my heart, I think we've talked every time about ballot questions, mm-hmm. initiative and referendum. Um, they didn't do nearly as much damage as they could have. I think the majority of the bills they pat, that they talked about on that topic got tabled or withdrawn or killed, but they still did some damage. And that's the nature of the Republican war. Every session, they do something to make it a little harder, a little more complicated. You need to submit more information. There's more bureaucracy for people to exercise their constitutional right to put stuff on the ballot. And when they do it, you know, just a little at a time, little at a time, well, that's how you eat the elephant. Or in this case, that's how the elephant eats us, a little (laughs) at a time, until it's so hard to do ballot measures that the only people who can do it are the very rich people who they're afraid of taking over the process. And, of course, we should mention, if you didn't figure it out already, Corey comes from a bit of a leftist leftist, leftist perspective. Uh, and we have been talking a lot about the INR, and, and I am disturbed about some of it as well. But I am shocked that many of the proposals that came over, like 24 different issues, that really all that's out there is the uh, uh, there'll be a constitutional amendment decided on the ballot in November about one subject per initiative, right? And, yep. then, and then the 55% threshold that we have to vote on for adding to the Constitution. Now, those yeah, are the two I remember, but... Right, well, and it's interesting that those two that will be on the ballot, um, you know, the, the, the 55% one has the biggest impact. It'll, it'll make it, you know, that much harder. That's several thousand more voters you have to get to vote for an amendment to the Constitution. But if you look historically... That 55% threshold wouldn't have stopped a lot of amendments from passing, like Marcy's Law even. That's the one that sponsored Jim Boland. He's talked about, Mm -hmm. well, Marcy's Law passed, and it's too easy to fix our, you know, change our Constitution. We have to change that. Marcy's Law passed with like 58% or more. So this 55% threshold, you know, I mean, pick a number, any number, but that number doesn't resolve the problem. It wouldn't have stopped Marcy's Law from cluttering up our Constitution or anything like that. So... I'm I'm surprised that's one of the few that we have on there. It's not good, but it's also not as awful as it could have been. And because uh, Representative Boland was on the task force that looked at this, and he wanted sixty. Yeah, they've talked about sixty before, and there was I've seen proposals in the past that have been propo- in the legislative hopper to increase that threshold. They just never got on there. This time we'll get a shot at it. Now, interestingly, <laughs> to to raise the threshold to only to fifty five percent, we're still only going to need a fifty percent plus one vote. So we can a majority can vote to make that vote impossible to make in the future. It is a very odd situation, and from my perspective, uh, I would be surprised if it passed. I don't know why. I, I just have this gut feeling it's not going to pass. And I would hope so too. And really, I mean, I think what we do have, I think we can take and. We can take an if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach. Um, and, and you can even say, even if it is broke, if it ain't going to fix it, don't vote for it. And I don't see that or the single subject rule doing anything to fix any real problem that might be out there with initiative and referendum. It does, we don't have a problem with this. South Dakotans do a really good job of, number one, keeping garbage out of the Constitution, with the exception of Marcy's Law, but I don't think we need to rewrite the Constitution to do that. We just have to campaign smarter and get people, convince people that it's garbage and not something that Kelsey Grammer likes. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the single-subject rule, I think there, too, we don't need that. South Dakotans, if they see a measure that's got you know a whole bunch of complicated stuff, they're probably not going to vote for it unless they've got a really good reason to do so. So, you know, somebody sponsoring a ballot measure, if they want to do more than one subject, they kind of take their life in their own hands. I don't think we need big government law 
stopping us from voting on things. And uh, here's the other thing about this. And this did start what I don't care how you frame it, whether you like it, don't like it. It is a clear reaction by the powers that be in peer. Uh, uh, the, a lot of mainstream Republicans who who are fear, not a, fear is the wrong word. They don't like when things uh, are are come up, bubble up from the from the the grassroots and one being the minimum wage law. They didn't like that. Mm-hmm. They tried to throttle that back. The, there's been some other stuff that comes up, whether uh, smoking, uh, the, the dollar a pack smoking tax, all these things were initiated by the people mm-hmm. after the legislature wouldn't act. So right. they don't like that. That's, and I, there's no questioning that, but what do you peg that to? Is it the minimum wage or was it before that where this real pushback started against INR? I, you know, I think a lot of it can be tied to, A, the minimum wage, and to the fact that it was Democrats who pushed that minimum wage. There is a partisan side to that. There are Republicans who don't like Democrats winning. We don't win elections, but we apparently win ballot measures. So, yeah, there is some partisan motivation to say, dang it, we can't let Democrats win anything, including ballot measures. They, that's part of it. That's undeniable. They know that when the people get to vote on stuff, they tend to vote more for what Democrats say than what Republicans say. Yeah. That's a problem if you're a Republican and all you're concerned about is power. Um, some of it, and I'll not talk partisanly on this one, I'll just say in general, it's a natural power tension. Like you said, the legislature has power. They're protective of that power. Mm-hmm. Initiative and referendum are checks on that power. And legislators get the peer and they kind of get big heads. They start to think people shouldn't be telling us what to do. We should be telling the people what to do. That's just the nature of the power game there. And it's easier for legislators to pass stuff than it is for the people to pass stuff. So the guys in power press their advantage. We need to press back. And now they've just started gutting stuff that comes up if it's not a constitutional amendment, if they don't like it, which they did to IM-22, which was flawed. There's no doubt that thing was flawed in my mind. Oh, sure. But, but, the people passed it. They just decided they didn't like it. So whack it. Um, yeah. We're going to come right back and talk more with Corey Heidelberger from Dakota Free Press about uh, we're going to look forward a little bit to some of the the, 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 the smackdown that's coming for the June primaries. This is All the right. Patrick Lally Show Information 1000 KSOO. Four nineteen on the Patrick Lally Show Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Corey Heidelberger. He is a lefty blogger up in Aberdeen, and he watches the legislature very carefully, and he watches politics very carefully. Uh, Corey, uh, so we are making the turn here out of the legislature. We should expect the full onslaught of uh, Republican primaries in the next several weeks, right? We should hope. They've all got, there's millions of dollars sitting in war chests. We've got three months till the war. It's time to go to war and spend the money, so I've got stuff to blog about. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's got to keep busy, Corey. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's look at them both and, and sort of take the temperature on, first, the gubernatorial, uh, the Marty Jackley, Christy Nome uh, uh, primary. I'm not going to throw Laura Hubble in there because it's not serious contender. Um, Single digits, you bet. Yeah, if that. Or, uh, so uh, uh, Jackley, Nome. What do you make of that race right now? It's getting hot. I'll tell you. I'll, I'm going to start with my projection first. I still say it's 58-42 for Jackley. Really? And why I do you say that? Than that? I think Jackley's got the edge. And not that I have extensive feelers and not that Republicans talk to me much. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, people are going to look at Republicans. Excuse me, not people, but Republicans. You know, there's a difference. <laughs> Republicans who go to the primary are going to look at this and say, Murray's been an executive. He can run this show. Christie doesn't have experience. It's going to tilt toward Marty. There might be a little guy Trumpism in there, too. But within the party, Marty's going to have that edge. Plus, Christie's got to make up ground. While she's been off in Washington doing her thing, Marty's been in the state. And we've seen that even in the campaigning this, this winter where, you know, Marty's able to do a lot more in the state while Christie's tied to being in Congress. And that's just the nature of things. So he might be able to do a little bit of, you know, paint her the way they used to paint Dashiell, saying, oh, they've gone Washington. Oh, yeah. Marty's going to play that, and he should play that. It's a huge advantage he has. They, I've already, you can already see the themes where he talks about her PAC money because mm-hmm. she has raised a lot of money over the years uh, and has, can carry that over. So it's, 
it's congressional money, which attracts more out-of-state donors, and he's going to use that against her. Absolutely. Uh, and that was, that's been a whole theme of, you know, the Republican legislature saying we don't want all this out-of-state money in our ballot questions. Mm-hmm. Marty's got a chance to pivot on that, and he can do it consistently because the money he raised last year, you know, he said he set this goal. He wanted to raise X amount of money in-state, and he did. The majority of his money is from in-state, and he can always hang that packed money on Christie. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say about Christie is her staff, her campaign people, they're battle-tested. Whereas Jackley has not had to have that down, down and dirty close campaign because he, as uh, attorney general, you just don't get that. I don't know that I'd, I'd overestimate that, though. Christie's team was battle tested eight years ago against Stephanie Herseth Sandlin. Yeah. Um, with all due love to Matt Verilek, Corinna Robinson and Paula Hawks. If yeah. you look at the results of the last three congressional elections, Christie's team didn't have to work that hard to win. They haven't had a fight with anybody who has as much money and as much ganas, to quote my uh, James, Edward, Edward James Olmos, <laughs> she hasn't had to fight someone with the money and the ganas that Marty Jackley has. Yeah. Marty Jackley wants this job, and he will fight her as hard as she fights. So I don't think, A, I don't think the battle tested gives a difference here, and B, the battle she's been tested in has been a Washington-based battle, and I think her advisors, they've got a little bit too much Washington in them, too. I don't think they've got their ear to the South Dakota ground the way Marty's team does. Interesting. So uh, what do you make, then, from the left side of the spectrum of the House primary with uh, Chantel Krebs and uh, uh, Dusty Johnson? Uh, I don't know if Neil's getting in there or not, but we'll have to say Neil Tapio is in because he says he's going to be in. What do you? Yeah. What? Where's and, that going to go? And, you know, that one, that one I am willing, I feel obliged to include Neil Tapio in there because Neil Tapio is doing, Neil Tapio is doing something that the, you know, kind of the fringe right Trumpists on the Republican side and the governor side don't. And that's play the Trump card to the hilt. Mm -hmm. He can play the Trump card with the language, but in addition, he can play it with the self-funding. He's got this business that he does all over the world. He deals with the Saudis, who he says are the seat of terrorism, but he makes money from them. I really? don't know for sure, but I think Neil, yeah, I've got a blog post on it. He does business with the Saudis with his pipe cleaning business. Um, but <laughs> Neil Tapio is sitting on a pot of his own money, just like Trump. I don't know that he's a billionaire, but Neil Tapio can go buy press and make it happen. And he's got people mobilized around him in a way that, you know, uh, Hubble and, and, and Lafleur on the governor's side mm-hmm. don't. So, and he's, he's really grabbing onto the Trump stuff and saying Trump, 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 Trump in a way that I think is going to resonate with some, with some uh, primary voters. So on the House side, you know, you got Dusty Johnson, you got Chantel Krebs, you got Neil Tapio. You already see Chantel Krebs trying to compete with Tapio yeah. for the mantle of Trump loves me. She went and got Chris Kobach, his vote suppression guy from Kansas, to endorse her. So, I mean, forget what I think is happening. I think Chantel Krebs takes Neil Tapio seriously because she's trying to steal the Trump vote from Neil Tapio while Dusty's just out there, you know, being fun and perky and doing his thing. Yeah. And so do you give does that give Dusty an advantage then if they're sort of trying to be as far right as they can? It's still a Republican primary in South Dakota, so it starts pretty far right. Right. And that's I honestly don't have a projection on this one. I, I think Dusty and Chantel both have the better chance than Tapio, because I don't think there's the same sort of love, and there's certainly not the same sort of institutional support for Tapio. He's an outsider to the party structure, and that matters in the Republican primary, because yeah. you've got county parties saying, well, I think we know who our nominee is, and county parties aren't going to be saying it's Tapio. They might split between Dusty and Chantel, and then the wild card is, how many crazy Trumpist anti-Islamists come to the polls and vote for Tapio because they think he's going to build a wall between South Sioux Falls and Pipestone. Um, <laughs> well, well, they may not be registered Republicans either. You know, well, you, yeah. you have to be registered in the Republican Party to vote in the primary. Right, right. And lot, sometimes can, people don't realize that. But I can tell you, a lot of the people who are at those, the anti-immigrant rallies that Neil Tapio's been at, and he's, he's gone to a lot of these. He's come up to Aberdeen multiple times. He's from Watertown, but he comes mm-hmm. to Aberdeen for these. He's been using those anti-Muslim rallies, those anti-refugee rallies, to build his network and to kind of rally that angry Republican base. And, yeah, not all of them are Republicans, but I can tell you a lot of them are, and he'll make sure they get there and do that. So Tapio's kind of a wild card. We're going to have to see what happens. 
that's a it, that one is particularly fun to watch. Um, Corey Heidelberger, he is a blogger at DakotaFreePress.com and uh, very active. We'll be we'll be reading and talking to him as much as we can. Corey, uh, thanks a lot for giving us some time today. Hey, thanks for having me. Now tell Christy and Marty to spend that money. I need material. <laughs> we'll do that. Thanks a lot. You bet. Coming up on the program, after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk uh, to Dr. Jolene Mitchell. She is an occupational therapist with Sanford Health, and she studies the physical and mental health of over-the-road truckers. It's, it's fascinating. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and oh, St. Patrick's Day, it's just around the corner, it's coming, it's coming. But in the meantime, we're going to talk with Dr. Jolene Mitchell is in the studio with us. She's an occupational therapist with Sanford Health, and she studies physical and mental health of the -the over-the-road truck drivers. This is something that I had not thought about until recently. Dr. Jolene Mitchell, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Um, So... This is, we don't think much about truck drivers other than, you know, that there are those guys that drive those things down the road and they sleep in their trucks. Um, but this is a terrible job, right? I mean, honestly, it takes a, you're sitting for hours on end, bouncing all around and eating bad and you're alone. What could be worse? Uh, it really is a hard job, isn't it? It's a, it's a very demanding job physically, mentally, and and on top of that, it's just a very stressful job because of... Um, the vehicles that they're operating, but they're such a critical component of the U.S. economy. And if everyone loves ordering off of Amazon and getting stuff delivered to your house, well, it has to get there. And we can't get it by rail. And we don't have a sophisticated enough system to use robots to do delivery. So we still have to use truckers. Pretty soon, uh, Jeff Bezos is going to have those uh, <laughs> drone delivery process. And But in the meantime, we have truck drivers. So tell us, you uh, specialize in working with over-the-road truckers. And I'm fascinated by that. How did you end up doing that? Um, Well, in in medicine, occupational and environmental medicine is a a rare subspecialty of preventive medicine. And so I was really lucky that in undergrad, I did research for Dr. Kurt Hegman, who is a very close colleague even with Dr. Natalie Hartenbaum, and they're two of the world leaders in in DOT or Department of Transportation and Transportation Safety. When we've looked throughout history and across the globe, transportation safety is a difficult challenge for every country, um, whether you are a developing nation or you are fully developed. And so even here in the U.S., with all the technology that we have, um, even with the infrastructure that we have, it is still a safety issue that we deal with. I mean, trains still crash. Mm-hmm. And it's 2018. So it is something that a l- good portion of the U.S. deals with the laws to help improve roadway safety. And then we're now trying to study this population more aggressively because they're so important to the U.S. economy. And we need to keep them healthy so that we can keep our economy growing and moving forward. And we hear about, you mentioned trains, when there's a train wreck, unfortunately, uh, it, the, the injuries can be you know, in, the, in the dozens. Uh, even if they're not fatalities, people get hurt, and so it's news. Truck drivers are by themselves often, and unfortunately, sometimes people get in accidents with trucks, semis, but often... If they fall asleep, if they something goes wrong, they they are the only fatality, and it just kind of goes by the wayside. What what is the sort of the injury rate out there for uh, uh, truck drivers in our country? Are, are, do they are they getting hurt at a higher rate than we ever realized? When we're looking at the health and wellness of the tractor trailer operator, commercial motor vehicle operator population in the U.S., um, I treat them in my clinic for actual injuries they sustained at work, like say they cut their hand when Mm -hmm. they're working on the engine or they hurt their back when they were loading or unloading their truck. Then the other part that I do is I represent the regulatory compliance that they have to keep, the physical fitness for duty that they have to maintain. And so when it comes to their actual injuries, one of the things that we'll see that are associated with their employment is overall a 
decrease in health. Mm-hmm. So they will have acute injuries like cuts and broken bones and slips and falls and, and muscle and skeletal injuries. But at the same time, what we see is that they'll have increased rates of diseases of the heart, of the lung. They have a high propensity of being heavy. Um, and that Because ex- you're sitting there. They're sitting, yeah. And, and you're eating. eating all day long. I eat when I drive. I can't, when I have to drive yeah. a long ways, you have to eat. If you do that every day. And for hours. And hours and hours. Uh, and, and so weight and uh, probably uh, high rate of smoking. Do we see higher we rates of smoking? We do see higher rates of smoking. We also see potentially higher rates of mental illness. Um, and, and even particularly more so with, we suspect, with over-the-road truckers. But even just around town, people who stay in urban settings will see higher levels of stress. And all of those things, and and then the noise that they're exposed to, the noise in and of itself can increase their risk of heart disease. You're kidding me. Well, and that it was, there was some really interesting studies where they took a twin who was hearing and a twin who was not hearing. The twin who had a hearing deficiency had lower rates of heart disease and had lower rates of high blood pressure. So it's something that I see in a lot of um industries i see it in mining and i see it in police officers and firefighters and we definitely see it in tractor trailer operators that loud working conditions contribute to higher rates of heart disease of heart disease just sound alone that is fascinating do you is there any i imagine we don't know why do we know why well there is multiple theories as to why that may be present one of them is simply that when a person is in a loud environment certain hormones in the brain and in the body get excreted. It's the fight or flight mechanism. It makes you think you're being chased by a roaring bear or a (laughs) roaring lion and you're not. You're just in a truck. You're in a truck or you're by a drill press Mm -hmm. or you are sitting in a fire truck and their adrenaline's pumping as it is and then you have this loud noise and a lot of them to try to hear the traffic around them, they'll roll down their window and just the noise from traffic, not even their own vehicle, can be enough to cause hearing loss. Wow. And so when it comes to truckers, they're under all kinds of stressors. It's not just the noise, obviously. But when you talk about stress, just driving the truck is stressful. It is. I mean, when you're looking at a vehicle that weighs 80,000 pounds and it's as long as it is, mm-hmm. even at five miles an hour, you're talking about an amazing amount of tons of force and the ability of... The amount of damage that can do is is impressive. Um, and I've had several tractor trailer operators that they, it wasn't their fault. They were in an accident. Either somebody hit them or, or there was road conditions. And luckily, they have a tendency to be very blessed and to walk away. Sometimes they aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing the distance a tractor trailer that was 65 miles an hour fully loaded it will slide almost just hundreds and hundreds of feet over the road and then even in over fields and through um, mm. berms it's amazing the, and, the, and then i think about even when things they didn't do anything wrong they're just driving there's an accident um that we just had on the news where three people were killed uh, a young man was driving, slid out, and slid into the path of the truck. So the truck is just driving along, normally going straight, and three people died right in front of him. Well, and that 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 poor family, which is heartbreaking right. in and of itself, but for that tractor-trailer operator, you know, there is nothing that person could have done right. to prevent that. And now they're going to have that moment in their mind for the rest of their lives. And they try to be very, very vigilant when they're driving. They have to be. These trucks are so big and they're so heavy. They Mm -hmm. really have to be very careful. And employers are implementing more and more limitations on what they can do in the cab. And there's even cameras in the cabs now to try to make sure that we keep them as safe and as attentive as possible. But human attention only goes so far. Right. But so that gentleman, unfortunately, um, really would benefit from probably some... And medical intervention to help him cope with what oh, he Oh, absolutely. Saw. You're going to need post-traumatic stress counseling. We do worry about PTSD when yeah. it comes to tractor-trailer operators. Absolutely. We're going to come back after a short break and talk more with Dr. Jolene Mitchell. She's an occupational therapist with Sanford Health here in Sioux Falls, and she studies over-the-road truckers and their health. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's three, 447 here on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSO. And I don't normally play songs with 
the name of the guest in them. But we've got Dr. Jolene Mitchell here with us from Sanford Health, and she told me that she's, in fact, named after the Dolly Parton song. So we play a little Jolene for her. That's a great song, though. There's a lot of other songs that would be worse to be named after, right? That's true, and she is one of my favorite artists. Well, that's that's awesome. So um, your parents, your were they big uh, Dolly Parton song fans? Is that what happened? My mom just liked it a lot, and fortunately for me, <laughs> yeah, that's right. As uh, as a friend of mine once said, it's a good thing your mom. Uh, my mom was Neil Diamond fan, is a Neil Diamond fan. A good thing she didn't like Cracklin' Rosie, you know, because. <laughs> More to that joke than meets the eye. Uh, we're talking about over-the-road trucker health, and you work directly with uh, um, truckers who come in, and they, they've got uh, physical and mental health problems, and, and you've been doing this. Um, for How long have you been studying this issue? Um, some of the initial studies that I participated in um, started over 13 years ago. Um, some of the most recent data analysis that I did on it, working with Dr. Thies, Matthew Thies at Rocky Mountain Center for Occupational and Environmental Health was just a couple years ago. And that data, that publication is hopefully going to be moving towards general access in the next few months, hopefully. So we know that truckers have, are, are they're, they're, they can be overweight. They can uh, suffer from stress, from heart disease. They can uh, uh, have mental health issues. And, and there are safety concerns. What can we do? I think in this profession that interfaces with so many aspects of our society, it's important to think about technology as a way to augment their ability to execute their duties, but also just simple things. I always encourage my drivers to pack their own meals, try to avoid getting food and nutrition from gas stations and from fast food. But if you do, be picky. You can have the Big Mac, but don't get the French fries. And don't get a full sugar, sugary drink. Make sure that it's unsweetened iced tea and things like that. And if they can just walk, there was a really interesting study that came out that demonstrated that just walking um, 30 minutes a day will give you years of life and it'll give you a quality of life. And it also makes it easier for them to meet their medical requirements so that they can keep working. And I think that's that's probably the hammer that you have is that they do they have to come in annually for this recertification? And the longest that they can go is two years. The longest the law re- allows is two years between medical evaluations. And there are limits on how long they can drive and, and these types of things that do try and keep them from overextending themselves as Yeah, well. there are laws on how many hours they can operate in a 24-hour period, how many hours they have to be down. They now have new regulation that's difficult for them, that they have electronic log tracking now that uses even GPS monitoring at some sometimes. So that makes it difficult because they have two main agendas. They have to get their deliveries to where they need to go because mm-hmm. they need to maintain economic success of their employer, and they have to maintain compliance and safety with the law. And a lot of times the employers try to make sure that those are on the same page, but sometimes they do conflict and it, it's very difficult for them to juggle that. You hear about that a lot and the pressure often comes down on the driver. Yes. And that's why all these safety precautions have had to been, the laws have been put into place because the economics sometimes demand something other than what's best for their health and safety. Well, and at the end of the day, these are still human beings. This is somebody's father. This is somebody's dad. It's their mother. It's their aunt. It's their sister. It's their brother. I want them to get home, and I want them to be healthy and safe. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, that that's not the easiest thing for them to do. Um, going back to the diet and exercise and everything, we know that for anybody who's who's for me, you know, uh, if I'm eating bad, it's usually a reflection of something else bad in my life is happening how much of this is tied to sort of mental health um you know it's hard to keep all these things in balance and you're out on the road you're alone um all these things together how much does the their their mental health contribute to these physical factors that you're seeing i the study that i looked at compared the um a data set that we acquired from a big study to 13 years ago to the national a national data set called the NHANES data set that just looked at use of psychotropic medications in tractor trailer operators versus the normal population. And there was statistically significant use 
higher in the tractor trailer population. And when you say psych- psychotropic medications, what are you talking about? Antidepressants, um, Prozac, Wellbutrin, um, and then also things like amitriptyline or alprazolam. Medica- and those are prescriptions. Those are all prescription medications. Yeah, that doesn't take into account people that may be using uh, non-legal forms of medication. And that's a tr- that is a struggle for this industry in the past, and, and it is still something now, especially with the changing mentality across a lot of states. It poses a difficulty for the tractor trailer operators. It poses a difficulty for the employers and for regulators and for healthcare providers like myself. You know, if some states are legalizing recreational use of marijuana, but it's still illegal under uh, the federal law, you know, where does that leave the tractor trailer operator? It puts them in kind of this limbo. And I, I still always say defer to the federal law because that's your greatest area of safety. If somebody wants, needs more information, um, whether they're a truck driver, they're related to a truck driver, they're just interested, where can they go? Where can you get some information? Um, actually, the FMCSA, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, has some good resources there. But um, there actually is some pretty robust tractor-trailer lobbying groups that advocate strongly for improved working conditions, improved safety, and even reduced poisons that they're exposed to. And those are really helpful too. But even you can go onto our website as well, which is sanfordhealth.org slash occmed.org. Get yourself to Sanford Health and, and uh, search for uh, Jolene Mitchell, right? That'll take you, uh, take yeah, you into it that'll all. That'll get you there too. <laughs> Dr. Jolene Mitchell, she's an occupational therapist with Sanford Health, uh, and she studies over-the-road truck drivers. Mental and physical health, thank you very much. It's fascinating stuff. Thank you. We'll be back in just a moment to wrap up here on Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, don't forget, this Saturday is St. Patrick's Day at Parades at 2 p.m. in downtown Sea Falls. Painting of the Shamrock takes place 9th of Phillips at 11 a.m. It's going to be a gas. Coming up tomorrow on the show, blogger Pat Powers from Dakota War College. We'll chat with Jacqueline Palfi on the KSO Zambros Community Bookshop, Book Club. Scott Hudson, no, not Scott, he was here today. Boon Man, hopefully tomorrow. And Paige Sarda of Reach Literacy and the Brouhaha is coming up, and we'll talk all about that. Woo, that's tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show here on Information 1000 KSOO.